Phoebe. I'm Clancy. And I'm Damien. You might be asking, what do two Aussies and a POM have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face on all our currencies. Even the coins. There's a great Union Jack floating around some flags as well. And we speak the same language, sort of. Somehow. Allegedly. Have we love winding each other up? What are we doing here then? Winding you up. But anyway, on this show we discuss current Australian politics. We take a look at past events. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. What? I didn't sign up for this. What? It's in the show's name, Phoebe. Welcome to Let's Save the Governor General. No, I don't want to. Kick him out. What about her? Or her. No, let's <laughs> just not have a governor general. Let's have a republic. With who is, pre- <laughs> with who is president? Not ScoMo. President ScoMo. President ScoMo. No, President Julia Gillard. President Craig Kelly. Hello, my name is Damien. I'm uh, joined. Uh, who am I joined by today? For all intents and purposes, Phoebe. Hello, for all intents and purposes, Phoebe. <laughs> Hello, for all intents and purposes, Damien. That is me. That is me. And uh, from somewhere down south... It is uh, in the cold, the cold part of the world, or the other cold part of the world. Clancy, I'm I'm very pers- purposeful and intensive. You are indeed. No, um, I was ribbing uh, Phoebe before about something, and uh, she said that her name, for all intents and purposes, is Phoebe. So we'll call her, for all intents and purposes, Phoebe. Fair enough. That Fair reminds enough. my my next door neighbour has a son called Will, and when I first met him, he was about five years old. And I asked him what his name was, and he said it's Fustwill, but he was missing his front two teeth. Oh, okay, Fustwill. Fustwill, Fustwill, and okay. and of course he meant it's just Will because everyone yes. used to call him William, and he'd say no, it's just Will. <laughs> no, so he's so, cu- so cute. But for a while, he actually thought his name was Fustwill. So then he started saying it's just Fustwill. <laughs> Uh, it'll get confusing it'll get confusing hey I hear someone uh, had a job interview during the week I did tell us more if if you can if you can tell us more I did it from the inside of my car not not, not a coffin like you do on the podcast (laughs) no no this is not a coffin this is this is the sauna as I I say as I say on my videos that I you know do hello everybody and welcome to the sauna I'm Phoebe J. Rose, and today we'll be discussing... Bleh. It's story time with Phoebe J. Rose. It's nice to be introduced to your hotbox, Phoebe. <laughs> it's not just a hotbox. No, no, I can't, I can't do this. It's not just a hotbox. It's not just a hotbox. <laughs> See, I, I, had, I, I had an idea this morning when I was pondering this because I've been, you know, doing little bits of tidying up waiting for you to start. And I thought we should do a tour through each other's house so we get get an idea of where we all live. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. On a tour? No, no, no. Let, let's let's stick to business, guys. Let's, here we go, uh, go. This is too. You can see the uh, glasses business that is currently being you know run by my mother and my stepfather out of here. You can see my my diffuser light, and you can see my second monitor when I'm working wow. at home. Oh, well, that's a that's a bit fancy. Lady but can we? Uh... <laughs> but I was asking you how your job, in- I was asking your job interview went and all of a sudden we've talked about your house and this is uh, yeah there's the tour of the uh sauna the, the coffin I mean sauna yes. The coffin. yes no so tell us about your job interview Phoebes so the new job is um going to require me to relocate to another part of England yeah. but it's all went very well except that I had a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion for the job. But yes, and then when I tell people that it's working for a housing association, they go, oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> yes. I you said want... to somebody, oh, I am not a bloody estate agent. No, I don't work <laughs> in real estate. I'm not an estate agent. So no, you're going to be relocating to a different hotbox? I will be, yes. You have I to move be, the hotbox. I will have to move the, the hot box with me, or I'll have to, you know, take photographs strategically of the hot box and get a new you hot know, box. green screen behind me. Green yes. screen. Oh, there you go. Yes, you can, we can do that. Green well, screen, any- the hot box. Anyway, um, breaking breaking news. I don't know, I don't know if it will be breaking by the time I uh, we get this episode up. But uh, what what date did you say, Phoebes? Twenty first of May, two thousand and twenty two. All Australians under pain and penalty of being, you know. Yeah. Criminals Fine, will 
<laughs> we'll get a summons to appear at their local polling place or vote by mail. Yep. Or, or have somebody uh, else vote. Early, or pre or pre-poll, or have someone vote by proxy on their behalf if they yep. are unable to, you know, fill out the ballot paper One, two, for whatever three. reason. Okay, so it's a six-week. So is that how you're voting? Is that how you're voting? One, two, three. Is that all? Is that the entirety of the preferences you're putting on the Victorian One, two, ballot paper for uh, the uh, federal senate? Well, as I say, with the with the lower with the lower house. Um, where I live, Labour could put a three-legged dog up for election, and they'd still, you know, they. Okay, still... so 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 what's the two P, what's the two uh, PP like when you actually get to that point in your seat? Uh, as I said, Labour could put a three-legged dog up for uh, as a candidate. And so, what they would they would limp in. <laughs> wouldn't limp in they could throw themselves in well, I, I've, I've, jo I've joked that Labour should like the only reason Labour isn't putting a three legged dog up for election is because it can't stack branches it, it, it can collect oh, them but oh, it, can't, it, can't, it can't stack them that, that, that's actually a bit of a, a strong claim they can they just like prefer it. not to oh, okay. <laughs> there, there so you go. are you in a competitive uh, seat Francis? hell no Hell no, no. I, I'm, I'm in the seat but that the former. But didn't Scotty turn up in Taz though to like campaign though? Oh, if we're talking, oh, he did. Yeah, he, he did. He, um, he actually campaigned in Lyons, which I think is one of their worries, and up, yeah. up north, um, because that's a bit of a swing seat up north. I think it's Bass, isn't it? Bass and Brighton. Sounds, sounds the... Yeah, sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. So, um, because they're they're sort of they're land. That's Lambie country. You know, so that's Ooh, where Jackie's no, Jackie from. Jackie. Yeah, so that's where Jackie's from. Come and so, be a guest on our show, Jackie, please. Yeah, please, yeah. Jackie, please. Yes. And it's, and it's sort of very working class, lower socioeconomic um, farmers and um, loggers and miners in that sort of area. The blue collar people, yep. The blue collar people. Um, and actually, um, I'm a little bit astonished that they didn't have an incident sim similar to the one that ScoMo encountered in Newcastle with that gentleman who was rather uh, um, upset with him. Hey, well, thank you, thank you for that uh, lovely segue there, Clancy. So yes, um, <laughs> uh, when, when was it? Last week. Uh, so probably yeah. Uh, oh yes. Just trying to oh. think. What's the date on the? Uh, I'm re just reading from the Guardian here because you know, all good people read from the Guardian. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I can't. Oh, uh, six, six of April. Uh, so yeah, a few few days ago, uh, Scotty was doing a pub tour in Newcastle, uh, not, not a pub crawl, and uh, he he was a cost. <laughs> Sure, it wasn't a pub crawl. Uh, he, he, was, he, was on his, he was on his two feet, so I don't think he was crawling. But um, he, he may was... be bipedal, but that doesn't, you know. Yeah, true, the true. Fact that he was but I, I think after this particular exchange, he was uh, crawling away. Here we go. Okay, a pensioner is allowed to earn a couple of hundred dollars before it affects his pension. Right now, I'm being treated. I've been fighting for twelve years. Twelve years. You treat a disability pensioner that's worked all his life, paid his taxes, now he's getting taxed again. This is uh, this is what you said when you got elected last time. We've got to help all those people that worked all their lives, paid their taxes, and those that have a go will get a go. Well, I've had a go, mate. I've worked all my life and paid my taxes. Yes. Alright, now who can I contact tomorrow? Hey, I'm doing this before the election, mate, because this is two promises that you made. You know another promise that you made? Hey, hey, yeah, no, you know, you've got to have an integrity Hey, I'll be to, I'll be to welfare rights, everything. you got the foxes looking after the head. Speak up for yourself. Speak up for yourself. Good on you, mate. Well, he certainly gave him what for, didn't he? Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of history to, to that fellow as well. So he's that's in Newcastle, which yeah, is yes. another very working class suburb, as I was mentioning before. Well, city, um, uh, yeah, city, yes. city. Um, and basically, this gentleman evidently um, worked in an industry where he was exposed to asbestos, I believe. 
Okay. Oh, uh, lovely. Yeah. yeah. And so and so he was being. I think it was asbestos. I might be incorrect, but it was something like that that gave him um, very very bad chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Anyway, so, some sort of cancer. Classic. Yep. And he actually was given compensation for the lung injuries that he received. But the problem is that because he's on a disability pension, they actually debit it from his disability pension. So he's not actually getting compensation because the money that he was given in compensation is being taken back off him. So that was part of his problem was that, you know, he'd, he'd worked all his life, he's been forced onto a disability pension because of his condition and the compensation money that was awarded to him quite fairly for his injury has actually been taken back off him as part of his disability pension. So... Well, I suppose if I was if I was that man and uh, oh sorry, if I was that man, I saw the prime minister and uh, yeah, that's how I felt. I'd certainly give him give him what for as well. That was uh, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing he did mention about was uh, the fact that uh, Scott Morrison hadn't uh, started a, fe- a federal integrity commission. Integrity commission, yes. So that's. Uh... I thought that was going to be the. I thought that was his big thing. I thought it was all going to be like a royal commission and everything, and it was all going to be like all proper and stuff. No, no. It never, no, because... it never actually, you know, got off the ground, did it? No, because I think uh, this is something we discussed a few episodes ago. Was mm. that when, when you have. Uh, uh, I can say authorities that have the ability to probe very, very deeply into political things. Uh, yeah, as as Gladys found out the hard way is that they they will find out the things you don't want to you don't want found out, and you will no longer have a job. I just want to say the name Gladys Berejiklian again. Oh yeah, because Berejiklian love, love, love. is a lovely surname to say. It's oh, really, it is indeed, it and uh, sh- tongue, and I'll it have does. to. But- I'll have to say thank you to her because she's. I think she's now one of the managing people at Optus uh, who are ah. providing my internet coverage at the moment. Thank you very much. Oh. Let us know. <laughs> there, you, there you go. But I actually... Okay, this is not product placement. We're not sponsored by Optus yet. No, no, not yet anyway. But um, I actually think this is one of the lovely features of Australian democracy is that, you know, uh, one of the, the highest elected official can go to a pub and talk with the people and, you know, get yelled at and all that kind of stuff. Because if you think about it, if, if this was in China, if this was in uh, in Russia, if this was even in America... Did you nearly say if this was in America? You also say... You if, did! If, well, yeah, even in America, like, I don't... I've never... don't think I've seen any footage of anyone ever going up to the president, you know, face-to-face like this... Giving and sticking him what fingers in, Yeah, exactly, giving him what for. Like sticking fingers in the face and saying, you know, yeah, I've had it with your bullshit and all, all, all this kind of stuff, you know. Oh, we do that in Britain, though. We're good at doing that in Britain because I, this reminds me once... We'll probably get on to a similar incident later because during the 2001 campaign, there was a man who was the Deputy Prime Minister of the United Kingdom mm-hmm. under Tony Blair's government, John Prescott, who turned around and punched a guy in the face after he threw a negative. I do remember that, yes. That's happened quite a few times in Australian politics. It seems yeah. eggs are just a very, uh, very lovely, uh, yeah. very, but, very traditional thing. But John Prescott, he turned around with a left hook and punched the guy in the face. Well, of course, our, our you know our great friend um, Craig Kelly managed to get himself um, based as well. Yes, yes. We love you, Craig. We love you, Craig Kelly. <laughs> uh, th- thank you for adding colour to our democracy, Craig. That's all. Is all I can say. <laughs> but no, Clancy, you're right. Uh, so the other day, I forget. I think it was uh, back on last Thursday as well. Uh, Craig Kelly was giving a. Uh, a press stop tour down in Melbourne uh, in, where was it? Just off of Turak Road, which is Yeah, he's in, in a park somewhere. It was it was in a park, yes, in South Yarra. So, like, the, near, near the la-di-da kind of section Ooh. of the... Indeed, yes. And, yes, yeah, someone said he was... Uh, he, you're a friend of Nazis. You're anti-Semitic. Um, you know, uh, what... I actually had the thing... Where was it? Where was it? Craig Kelly, Craig Kelly. I've got it in my notes here. Yes. Here we go. So he was a he was a Nazi lover. Actually, actually, yeah. I might just uh... play it. You gave him a good whack. Stop hanging out with Nazis. You're anti-Semitic. You're a Nazi lover. What do you think, Dan Andrews? You're a Nazi lover, Craig. You're a Nazi lover, Craig. You're a Nazi lover, Craig. 
Person to go to uh, down the pub with. Yeah, no, that's a, so, so. So it wasn't. So it wasn't. A, it wasn't a press conference. It was more of like a party gathering because you can see all the all yeah. the all the yellow shirts. Um, yeah, but however, after after this, apparently, what had happened was that lady ran to a, a getaway car. A cyclist followed the getaway car. The cyclist got in front of the car to confront the people in the car, and then the people in the car ran over the cyclist. I heard that. Yes. Yes, I heard that too. So you know, um, it's, it's, I think it just says what kind of a class act this particular woman is. Um, yeah, it, like, it's. It, it, I find it quite interesting though because yeah, um, you know that. she she accused she accused them of being Nazis and she mentions the security detail of Nazis. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, well, you wouldn't have been able to egg him if that was the case. You just would have been <laughs> shot before you got close to him. Indeed, yes. Yes, you know. it's a, I, I, I do find that Nazi is a very uh, is a very easy slur to throw out. It's a out. very strong pejorative that when I have been confronted by actual Nazis, it was really scary. Yeah. Because as a, as a Jewish woman, being confronted by actual Nazis was really scary because I genuinely thought that my numbers had come up and it was really yeah. fucking scary. So tell me but, more about know, actual Nazis, Phoebes. Phoebes, like you say actual Nazis, what do you mean by actual Nazis? Actual Nazis who were prepared in in that moment, I thought they were going to kill me because I was Jewish. Oh. That's what I mean. No, but no, I suppose what made them actual Nazis? The shouting of anti-Semitism at me, um, the having a knife that was being waved in my face. Oh, and shit. Things like that. Whereas I genuinely thought that they were going to stab me and... <laughs> in, uh, but yes, less said on that, the better. But yeah. that's what we have with actual Nazis. Indeed, Engaging yes. in democratic discourse, you're not an actual Nazi, even if you are Pauline Hanson. Indeed, yes. That's a... Uh, no, but I just think, uh, yeah, like, egging people, like, regardless of who it is, you know, it's... Uh, but I did find uh, that Twitter, like, Twitter was going, yeah, good on you, woman, for, you know, fuck Craig Kelly, whereas, like, me, like, if this happened to, Ju- to Julia, uh, of all people, you know, we go, oh, it's, it's misogyny, it's, yeah. you know, it's hatred of women, it's how, how dare someone, you know, assault a woman. But it just seems this double, this double standard where it's okay, to, you know, for Craig, for people who are, like, on the right... Um, I, I wouldn't say conservative because I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Craig Kelly conservative, but, you know, people on the right, it's okay to egg them and it's, it's, it's a laugh when it happens to them. But if it ever happened to, a, to a, you know, one of the heroes of the left, then it's like, yeah. oh, no, how, how dare. But no, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop there. But no, it's... Uh... Well, it's, it's, it's that old trope adding insult to injury too, mm. or injury to insult. I mean, it's like what happened with bloody Will Smith and Chris Rock at the Oscars. Oh, God, that's... Uh... And the big debate there. It's like, <laughs> yes. oh... You know, yeah, Chris Rock probably shouldn't have made a joke about his wife, but that getting up and slapping him was, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you you, you can't help your feelings, but you can help your behaviour. And people need to remember that um, violence is never a good option. No, it, it makes you. It makes you look like you can't control your uh, your emotions. Is exactly the, uh, is, is is the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I actually think this will. Uh, I think this will have a, a a bit of a backfire effect because it will then give Craig Kelly ammunition to go. Well, look, you know, this is how much you know they they hate us. Is that uh, you know they're prepared to they're prepared to egg us. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like uh, I, well, I, I can say, she's got egg on her face after doing that. In, indeed, yes. But um, so so this, this is and the other weird thing is that like if she hadn't egg Craig Kelly, I wouldn't have known or cared that Craig Kelly was in Melbourne. But there now she did that. It's all over the news, and the, you know, it's kind of giving him more attention than what she you know. Yeah. Wanted to but yes, it does. It does remind me though. When who was it that got egged in Fraser Anning? Anning. Yes, QD. He got egged in QD, didn't he? He got egged in Queensland. In Queensland. Yes, yes. QLD actually, but QLD. Yeah, QLD. But yeah, he got egged down there. But yeah, Fraser Anning had it done to done to him, and I say, 
I'm not quite sure what it is about, you know, slightly older white men who are slightly unpalatable. <laughs> sli- slightly them. older white right wing men. It's mm. uh, it's a bit of a yeah, bit of a weird one, bit of a weird one. But the other thing that struck me about this, well, this particular uh, the news.com reporting of the incident was that it quoted Brittany Higgins' partner, journalist David Shiraz, who condemned the woman's behaviour. Like, I, I just don't... Interesting. I, I just don't know why David Shiraz, out of all the people to quote, gets his quote down the bottom of the uh, bottom of the article. And then at the bottom of this article, who else did they... Uh, Swinburne University lecturer Dr. Belinda Barnett also got quoted as well. I'm just wondering, like, why those two particular people? And Probably because got... they're friends of the person who wrote it. Yeah, possibly. That, that's probably the... Uh, that's possibly the uh, the thing when you're in a hurry for a, for a byline. Then hey, oh, and also down down the bottom, the Saturday paper journalist Andy Hazel said Craig Kelly. Yeah, yeah what, whatevs. It's a uh, yes, yes, it, whatevs, whatevs. Yes, but no, it said like if she hadn't done that, I, I would have known, wouldn't have cared. Uh, look, I'm not going to vote for the guy anyway. But um, yeah, I, I just think he's actually now got something he can make political capital out of. And it's given him publicity. So uh, unless this was all staged, in which case that would be a very interesting, uh, a very interesting turn of events. But um, what else do we what else do we want to talk about, ladies? Uh, well, Tasmania Tasmania has a new uh, premier. Woo! Yeah, that's all. Yes, they do. Well, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. There you go. For, so for Jeremy, Jeremy gets a get, Jeremy gets the applause. Yeah, so Peter Peter Gutwin announced um, last week that he was stepping down from politics, and very abruptly as well. That very was abruptly, f- yeah. That was a thing. Um, and it he felt said, like somebody had given him a sharp push in the back to say, "Get out." Well, that was That was actually going to be my next comment because I think. I think possibly Peter has seen the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's come after a period of, you know, almost adulation by Tasmania of Papa Gutwin, as he likes to be called, um, for steering us through the pandemic. And then suddenly, of course, the decision was made to open the borders and all hell has literally broken loose and everything's gone to shit. And I think he's gone, oh, okay, well, they don't like me anymore. I better leave. Because he he didn't he didn't fix the health crisis in Tasmania, did he? Well, he did not fix the health crisis. In in fact, he made the the health crisis worse, if oh. anything. Um, oh. So yeah, so it's that's it's quite been... impressive. Is all I can say. That's quite <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 not a good situation. We've we've um, had so many cases of COVID in Tassie. They're not even bothering to track them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just having rats done because the the labs doing the PCRs are run off their feet, and people are, you know, I work I work in drug and alcohol, and it's just crazy how many of our clients are, are coming down with COVID. Um, it's actually really difficult. It's more difficult. This this moment right now is the most difficult since the pandemic began. Really? Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's worse than it ever has before. My colleagues are coming down with COVID left, right and centre. I've got friends who are immunocompromised, who have children who are immunocompromised, um, who are getting really, really unwell. And um, it's actually a really bad state of affairs. So up until up until recently, we had this, you know, we were in a nice little bubble. And, yes, I mean, and we could, that. Yeah, and we could operate within this bubble and, basically carry out normal life but now it's just um gone I, have to throw, I have to throw i have to throw the spanner in here you were gonna have to open eventually yeah but not while omicron was raging and before you know things had okay. settled down i think we should have waited another six months mm-hmm yeah, actually. Basically. Well, as, as long as your economy could survive, I think, yeah. If, uh, well, yeah. and that's the thing is our economy has taken a massive hit because everyone's sick and no one can operate their businesses. Mm-hmm. And you don't have... Well, I suppose the question is, um, in Tasmania, how much do you rely on trade with the mainland to get by? Well, it depends. it depends what you're talking about. So things like um, hard goods like, you know, um electronics cars. and cars and things like that and yep. 
um, that sort of stuff, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. But food security is actually really good in Tassie because we okay. actually export most of the food that we produce. No, so good. all it would mean was that we just wouldn't export as much and keep it for ourselves. So, you know, Fair we'd enough. be munching out on Keeping really good food prices. Stuff. Well, yeah. So because you have a glut. There's certain things, of course, that we do import, you know, so things like cat food. Suddenly there's no cat food on the shelves. <laughs> you know, stuff like here's, that. Here's, here's, here's another question for you. Well, what's there's no it, cat food factories in Tasmania. Your, no. <laughs> it's going to sound, it's going to sound like an absurd thing, but what's your fresh water supply like in Tasmania? Is it sustainable without, you know, the mainland? Oh, completely. No, we, we, we don't, uh, yeah because it's all completely Tasmanian fresh water. We don't export it and we don't import. Well, actually, we do export it. We don't import it. Um, okay. I mean, we have quite um, extensive dams and and water systems, which, you know, we did get have some trouble with a few years ago because we also rely on those for our hydroelectricity. Yes. And um, the water levels got really low, which was a problem for the hydroelectric schemes. Uh, we did have to have water restrictions, but we don't import water from anywhere else. It's all, you know, falling from the heavens. At the moment, they have more of a problem with uh, too much water in um, eastern Australia and Victoria and Queensland. Yes, especially in uh, Queensland, northern New South Wales. Exactly. But and I, I wouldn't be- call that fresh water, though. I'd go for no, the opposite. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful sunny day here in um, Tassie at the moment. Mm-hmm. Is it a lovely um, autumn day? It is a perfect autumn day. Yeah, this is this is a day that we call birding weather, Phoebe. So when I lived on the small island up in the north of Tassie, the the locals used to go and harvest mutton birds, which are short-tailed shearwater chicks. That um, they lay their eggs in burrows, and the local Aboriginal people go and harvest them at this time of year because it's beautiful, calm weather. So birding weather. Okay, fair enough. Well, so you learn, okay. Something, learn, learn something new every day and learn something new every day. But um, just on the Peter Gutwin uh, resignation, like I did just find it, one, his, uh, as I mentioned uh, in, in our private messages before, part of me goes, okay, look, you know, he has been in Parliament for 20 years and 20 years is a hell of a long time to you know be in that kind of role. But then uh, when he suddenly went, hmm, I've got no more left in the tank, you know, it's time for me to step down. And within a week, they, you know, it's almost as if they had a had someone planned to take over. Yeah. So 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 part of me went okay. Yeah, I feel for him in that you know he's uh, you know he's given a lot to to the public service, but then also part of me goes hold on, is he a rat jumping a sinking ship? Yeah, it seems to be a pattern though in Tasmanian politics where they get to the top job they're in the top job for a term or two and then they resign from politics altogether. <laughs> Did he That's... resign his seat as well? He's resigning from politics, yeah. Yep, he's, he's... So now you've got the strange situation of the Liberals aren't actually in power anymore as a majority government because they've had a defection. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, takes so, them yes, now so. down from 13 to 12. Now they've lost a seat, so now they've gone from 12 to 11, which Mm -hmm. means that the combination of the independents, the two of them, the Greens, the two of them, and the nine members of the Labour Party can form a majority government, should they Mm. choose to do so. Should they choose to do so? I think he's staying in his seat until the next state election, so that might be, but he's planning planning to retire after that. Yeah. Yeah, that because was my that they, was my take on it anyway. Yeah, yeah, it it make a very very difficult thing, but I mean part of, part of the interesting thing too is there was um, a, you know there was an assumption that he would then make Elise Archer or Jeremy Rock, Rockcliffe was sort of a shoe in, but it was between Jeremy Rockcliffe, Michael Ferguson, and Elise Archer. Now, the controversy with Elise Archer and Michael Ferguson is that they were the two members of parliament who groaned when the uh, Labor Party brought up um, sexual abuse of a particular person um, in parliament and Mm -hmm. um, it was demanded that they apologise for groaning um, at the comments. So they were the two people involved in that. So there was already a bit of a um, set against them, I guess. 
Now, if I could, uh, without saying the, without saying anything, I take it they were groaning in disapproval. Yeah, it was sort in of unison? like, oh, yeah, it was sort of like, oh, this again, you know. Okay. Yep. Um. So there was there was a bit of a, a lashback from um the labour um leader mm-hmm. uh, against against them doing that and demanded an apology. So. Jeremy Rockcliffe, I think, was the logical choice as the deputy premier, anyway. Okay, but yeah. he's he's a moderate, um, so Gutwin was <laughs> a conservative. I say like the a moderate Tasmania doesn't. A moderate really in Tasmania, but yeah. he's at, he's actually got an interesting history. He actually worked um, for a, a telephone counselling line for a long time, and he's been involved in quite a lot of social. Um, um, policy stuff as well that's mm. been quite beneficial. So, you know, I'm sort of like, eh, maybe he's a good person to do things like improve the health system and, you know, mental health and stuff like that in Tassie. Um, but Michael Ferguson was our erstwhile um, health minister for a while and mm. he is not popular at all. He did not do a good job. So I was a bit surprised when um, Elise Archer got passed over for him because she's actually reasonably popular. Um, so we're wondering what happened there because there was an assumption that she would also be in as the deputy, but she seems to have been completely cut out. Well, uh, not like the Liberal Party to uh, overlook a, a viable female candidate. Shocking. Oh, it's not like the Labour Party to overlook a viable female fancy at all either. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. Um, what else do we have? What else do we have on a nose? Um, uh, let's go back to Scotty for a sec because he's, he's a gift that he's a gift that keeps on giving. He really is. He's a lovely gift, that man. He, he is indeed. Oh, the person uh, who hasn't been to a Hillsong celebration for what was it 15 years 15 years yeah, yeah. yeah that's a actually just actually very small aside on that uh hillsong church have made brian houston's wife redundant i heard that he's not very happy about it evidently no. <laughs> literally they've handed her they've handed her her marching orders and given her a payoff or they just you know eliminated her uh, i think re- re- redundant kind of implies that you know a gold a golden handshake Bye now. Yes, but I just do find it interesting that uh, Brian Houston has criticised Hillsong for callous indifference towards his wife when <laughs> Hillsong have are famous for their callous indifferences to you know, towards s- him to, 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 to sexual assault victims. Um, you know, yes. I, I would argue, I would argue that that Hillsong itself is redundant. But there you go. They've just opened well, one here go. in Hobart. Oh, great. So, so how did Hill? song doing the Royal Commission into, you know, the investigation of, you know, not very nice things happening in religious establishments in Australia. They, they got, they got fucked did. over. Come on. It's, uh, they you did. know, like... They were in the, they were as, all I can say is that they were as fucked over as the uh, Church of Jehovah's Witnesses were. Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is what you... Yes, and Jehovah's Witnesses and Jeho- were... Yes. The, they, the, they were really done as well. Which is pretty, you know... In, indeed. But I just, uh, yeah, find it funny that, yeah, Brian Houston and Kate... Well, I think it was on Instagram. He went, you know, yeah, we gave our lives to this church and rah, 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 and he's going, no, how, how, how dare they? No, but you no. didn't give your life to this church. They gave you millions of dollars. But, yeah, so anyway, so back... Well, they they, they it, gave you a life. Yes. Sorry, Claire's. Well, he will give his life if they lock him up for sexual abuse. Or concealing. No, I don't think he has, he's actually done sexual abuse. concealing. So he's actually... There's no evidence that he did any of the no. uh, sexual no. abuse. No, but when when he was the head of well, it was Australian his dad, Christian wasn't church, it? It was his dad, yes. So yeah. his dad actually like confessed freely, um, all that kind of stuff. And um, because Scott didn't report it to the authorities, uh, that's why he's uh, yeah been. Anyway, ah. so so back to the man, in, back to the man in question. Uh, so I don't, how many of you've heard the name Michael Took? Yes, interesting. Yes, yes. It, it is because uh, back in when was it? Two thousand and. I forget exactly when it was 2000 and uh, why does my memory fail me being old? uh, Back in the early noughts, uh, there was a pre-selection battle for the seat of Cook, which uh, Scott Morrison represents. Uh, After initially losing the pre-selection, some backroom shenanigans happened and all of a sudden, Scotty was installed as the the Liberals endorsed candidate for, for Cook. 
uh, over and above the guy who actually won the pre-selection, Michael Took, who just happens to be Lebanese. Oh, hello, I heard a noise. See, that was the response to, you know, the ousting of the Lebanese Michael Took. Yes, that was, there you go, that's a... Um, and uh, during this week, uh, Michael Took had uh, an interview with Walid Ali on the project about uh, Scott Morrison's apparent uh, racially charged comments that, you know, that no one would vote for a Lebanese person and, uh, yeah, all that, all that kind of stuff. How wonderful from the man that's running the federal government of Australia. Yeah, it is. Exactly, exactly. Um, where was it? Where was it? Um... Took accuses Morrison of using racial vilification to help overturn the initial ballot which took one. Morrison came last. That is the race. 2007 it was. Uh, thank you very Yes. Oh, gee, that's a 15, yes, right, 15 years old, yes. Um, well, he, he, oh. did actually, he did actually run against Morrison in the seat. And evidently the first time they um, ran the ballot, he polled 10 times as many votes as Morrison. Yep, that's yeah, exactly that's what that's what happened, and then. So uh, yeah, I think that maybe Morrison has a bit of a sesh against him personally. Uh, I think I the feeling I get is that Morrison is more better connected to the higher ups mm. in the in the New South Wales Liberal Party, so that um, yeah he uh, pulled pulled some strings uh, quite unfairly, and all of a sudden, because apparently from what I heard. They held the second ballot before Michael Took was even notified. Yep. And yeah, yeah it was yeah, it was all, it was all, so, all sorts of dodgy, all but... sorts of shenanigans. Correct. Yes, yeah. and it's just amazing that um, he's gone from that to being one of the most hated uh, immigration ministers. I think he was the was he also the uh, I forget what called the social services minister as well at some stage. Is this, is this Scotty we're talking yeah, about? Yes, Scotty, yes, Scotty, yes. So he's gone from... Uh, so uh, he was Minister for Public Services. Oh, that's right, yes, because I was explaining to one of my friends and in America... And Minister for Social Services as well. Yes, because I, I was explaining to my one of my friends in America about robo-debt. No, you didn't, did you? For the people, okay. Educate the viewers that may not know what that is. Oh, okay, so this is a, this is, oh, this is yes. getting getting a little bit off topic, but robo debt was, I think it was 2014. The the government had an idea of uh, using AI and and automated procedures to cross reference uh, Centrelink data with Australian tax office data to ensure that people who were receiving welfare were getting what they're entitled. So in Australia, most welfare payments are tied to your income. So if you, it's a bit of a sliding scale that if you earn nothing from employment, you get the maximum uh, benefits available. But if you do work, uh, the payouts... There's a tapering system. Yeah, correct. It's, it's tapered. Yes, a bit of a sliding tapering system. So the more you earn from your employment, the less you are entitled to. But of course, that is mostly reliant, reliant on self-reporting. So, and there are, there are a number of people who work full-time but claim but tell the government that they can't work or aren't working full-time and they get lots of money. And so the government was trying to recoup. And the fact is, in Australia, welfare is one of the biggest expenditures uh, as well. So there was an idea that uh, to recoup some of the money lost through fraudulent claiming of welfare, that the this program would would automatically collate uh, report, self-reported data through Centrelink and uh, employer data from the ATO, smooshed them together. But the problem with that was there was an automatic assumption that if you were found to have underreported your income, the debt burden was on you. Uh, and the government was very reticent to listen to anyone who complained that the figures were out. And unfortunately, it did uh, put an emotional burden on a lot of people to the point that, uh, unfortunately, some people reportedly uh, took their own life through the stress of the, all the, the very sudden government debt that was burdened on them, and in some cases quite unfairly. Well, sometimes it was just outright wrong because yes. it, it did it did rely on people um, people filling out their tax returns too. 
So, yes. you know, and people on very low incomes don't necessarily do their tax returns. So yes. part of the issue was that it was relying on a system that wasn't actually being used properly yep. and then mm -hmm. penalising people who didn't understand how the system could even get that information. Oh, indeed, yes. And, and you actually do make <clears throat> a point that the people who... Like p people who have you know fairly fairly decent incomes know the tax system and know how exactly. to and know how to play it Absolutely. to maxim maximize their refunds. But people who have blue collar, who aren't financially literate, all that kind of stuff, are the ones that the government really tried to squeeze. Yeah, exactly right. So part part of the problem too is that um, if you are working a job um, that is paying paying you paying tax for you on your behalf so your employer pays the tax it's taken so out it's of your, pay, pay your payroll taxes exactly so they they know that you're earning this money but you're not necessarily getting that full amount of money into your account mm -hmm. so people people were often like it was there was a delay in how much money that they were actually able to report and how much money that they got and so they were they were being penalized in the meantime for the benefits they weren't getting the benefits if they reported how much money they were actually getting because they weren't getting the money straight away it was being delayed so there was a there was a lot of complexity in in how they came up with how much people owed as well it yes. didn't make sense and and there was you know I, I remember many years ago the one time that I was actually ever on a um on the dole as they called it mm -hmm. <clears throat> was I had a six-month period after I had I had one subject to complete for my degree that I failed while I was doing my degree, but they wouldn't pay me off study anymore. So I actually had to go on what was then the new start allowance. And as a part of that, I had oh, to Jesus, apply. Like a bit. Yeah. So this is 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, 20, 25 years ago. Um, and I had to still apply for 14 jobs a fortnight. Um, oh, yes, that's even yeah, though yeah. even though I had a job to go to and I was working really? casually, so it was really stupid because one one week I didn't put in my jobs because I was actually doing my exams, and they said, "Oh, well, they breached me," and I'm like, "I actually have a job that I'm going to next fortnight, and you just breached me," you know. So it was it was it, the setup of the basically the setup of the system encourages people to lie yes and this was the stupid thing about it was they were breaching people for doing what they had been trained to do by the system yeah <laughs> you know to get the money you have to lie and they and they literally told that to me i actually went in and i said so you just want me to lie about the jobs that i've gone for and they're like yeah just just fill in anything yes yep yep that's hmm so you know there was a there was a bit of an outrage. I read an article just recently where they were outraged that most of the times people put in uh, put down jobs that they've supposedly applied for, which have they've just submitted fake information to the employers yep, yep. because they know they're not going to get the job for yep. a start. Mm -hmm. They it's not an area that they've got any training and qualifications in, but they literally have to put it down to get their benefit. Indeed, yes. Or you get um, uh, on the employer side, um, there was a time when I was in uh, middle management and you get resumes like that were clearly just, you know, people yeah. just BSing their way. They're applying for the sake of applying and it just it just wastes time. Um, or yeah, I've heard of people like just call, uh, calling people in for interviews and they're clearly just there to get get their numbers up to report back to Centrelink, but yeah, so and so this, the reason so the reason we're discussing RoboDebt was because uh, now was Scott Morrison the the minister for social services at the time of RoboDebt? I think I think he I think he was the minister when it was being concocted, but then he moved on to another portfolio when it was actually enacted. Yeah, but the the end result was that after two Senate inquiries. Uh, there was a class action against the government for what's called robo debt, and the government. Uh, the, I forget which judge it was. There was a there was a high court judge who approved a settlement of one point eight billion dollars. So that's how badly the government fucked up. 
Well, they really did. And there's a big plus, as you said, there's this big class action about it. And people did did kill themselves. People died. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Bernard Murphy was the judge. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. I knew yes. I knew the name. This and it was Alan Tudge Irish that name. brought it in too. Yes, it was. Oh, the, 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 there's another classy, another classy gentleman. Yeah. Who, uh, if last I heard he made the news was because, one, he was having an affair with his uh, media advisor. And then the media advisor accused him of being uh, somewhat abusive. Mm, I oh, did hear that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Sorry, sorry, Clancy? No, I did hear that. I um, remember yeah. reading that and going, oh, that's that dreadful touch, fellow. Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But look, I, I had I had friends that were affected by this, and a lot of my clients were affected by this, and it was an incredibly stressful, oh, indeed, stressful yes. thing to happen. Yeah. And I think it was I mean, just the, it made the news over here in in England because it paralleled something similar that was done in the UK when people were being it's not quite the same, but people were having their benefits taken away from them if they didn't go and do government make work jobs. And you had to report that you were going to these jobs just to get your benefits, which was less than the minimum wage. And there was a big court case about it where people actually had killed themselves because they were being forced to work in jobs that they could have just taken as an actual job and been paid more to take the job, but they were forced and they weren't allowed to take the job. So they were forced to work for what was effectively 50 pence an hour in some cases, if you were under the age of 25. And the government ended up having to pay out billions to these people because people were turning up and being sanctioned, but the system that they used wasn't reporting it. Yeah, Just that's horrendous. true. They, they had the same thing here in um, Australia, Phoebe. It was called Work for the Doll. And that's not yeah. how the doll works. No, I know exactly. <laughs> so that, that, that it still goes on till t- today, actually. And they also had um, a system for Aboriginal people where they were also working for their their payments. Because that's as well. always gone down really well with the European-led federal government. That's gone down really well in the past. Yeah. So so and it was basically the same sort of thing. Is they were working in a job where if the job they were working in was actually directly employing them they would have probably been paid twice of what the benefit was that they were working for um one of the interesting things with that too is that um my my ex-partner who had um uh, most of the human qualified as a um english as a second language tutor and had a certificate for in network design mm-hmm. uh, actually had to go and do a course on uh, computer literacy, which he could have taught. <laughs> God, crazy. He That's was better. Crazy he crazy. was better qualified to teach the course than the teacher was. Because like, in, in England, there were there were examples of people being forced to go down to the local pound land, which is like the local dollar store, and stack shelves. And these were people with PhDs that, during 2008, 2009, when the world was up shit creek. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to some uh, dirty, dirty, dodgy dealings by uh, a certain Bernard Madoff. So how oh, are yes. your subprimes? And the reason, the reason I mentioned that name is because there's actually a podcast coming out about the dealings of Melissa Caddick. Oh, oh I did great right about that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a very. What's that interesting... name sound familiar? Well, because she was, uh, she conveniently disappeared the day after ASIC and the Feds. Raided oh, her. Yes. That's right. Yep. She was yes. using other people's money to fund a luxurious lifestyle and not getting not getting them much in return. No, that's right. So that'll be that'll be very very interesting. But no, it's just um. Yeah, but you're right. Uh, work for the doll. I remember when I was uh, on unemployment benefits for some time after I graduated, and yeah, it's just it's unemployment is a shitty feeling. It, really Look, is. It, it is, especially when you're doing everything you can to not be unemployed. I mean, it, I was, it, I was, I was in this really weird situation where I had a job to go to, I just couldn't start it yet. Yep. And yeah, so, I've had that position as well, or where I've been, where I've worked for an agency, and I've been between. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, placements with them, mm. so I'll have like three weeks off, and three weeks here, and three weeks here, and four yeah. weeks here between placements. Yep. And, 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 yeah, and, and part. And, 
sorry. Part of the issue too with me was because I was doing a nursing degree, I was actually working as an assistant in nursing in a nursing home casually, mm-hmm. but they, they wouldn't give me full-time work because they knew I was about to get my registered nursing and go off and work somewhere else. So any job that I applied for, they weren't going to give me full-time employment or, or more employment because they knew that I was about to leave. Yeah, this is the this is the yeah. No, I, I I get where you're coming from, and I was uh, oh hello, that's uh, something uh, buzzy on the screen. I remember I was about I was uh, training in a marketing company, but they paid monthly. Yeah. And so the problem is, is that if you like take a like you have to report the income that you earn, not the income that you got. And so if I took this job, I realized that I'd be out of money for uh, probably at least a month. It was a shitty job anyway. I didn't actually take it. I just I just started training there for a couple of days and realized it's a shitty job. But um, yeah, I realized if I took it, I wouldn't have money for you know because I'd have to report my income to Centrelink, and they go, oh, you're earning over the uh, the limit that we set for you. Aha, no more money for you. So well, th- thank thank you guys. But yeah, no, it's just, it just strikes me that um yeah that the uh, conservative government uh, at, that we have right now came up with uh, something as horrible as robo debt, and it had such profound consequences for people. And I get the feeling that it, like it was only when uh, the Justice Murphy approved a one point eight billion dollar billion dollar settlement that they finally realised, hmm, I think we fucked up. Well, and this is the thing, and they were giving massive tax breaks to all the rich people Mm -hmm. and penalising the poor people disproportionately. Yes. So, you know... Yes, yeah, so, so I just remember my train of thought. So it was, so it was um, being unemployed is a shitty feeling, especially when you're trying all you, all you can to not be unemployed and then to have the government stack stack this debt against you for reasons that you may not be aware of and then to not listen when you come back and say, hey, look, I think you got something wrong. No, that our system has got it all correct. This is what you owe and we'll not say any, no, no more will be said. Mm. And that was, a, yeah, that's, a, like, I, I'm all for, you know, uh, proper recovery of money, but I don't think this counted as proper recovery of money. No, it didn't, and it was it was completely punitive. That the way they that, did it, I too, think that's, that's a good word. That's a good punitive. word. Clance. Punitive, yes, that was. Yeah, so basically, people were being punished for being poor. Yep. You know, and 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 this has always been the problem in in Australia with the welfare system is people are published punished to be poor, and to be and poor and for being honest. And it was it was like that stupid comment that um, ScoMo made a few days ago where he said, "Oh, if." If people are worried about the high cost of rent, then they should just buy a house <laughs> and stop paying rent. And I'm like, oh, for crying what? out loud. <laughs> that, that this is the most me... tone deaf thing I've heard in a very long time. Uh, and I spend far too Joe... much time on Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> something Joe Hockey said uh, some time back when um, I think when he was the, when Joe Hockey was the treasurer and someone asked him for advice on. How to get ahead in the market? And said, "Oh, get a get a good full time job." Exactly, or get a high paying job. Oh, that's is right. What yes. he said, "Yes, a get high a, get a paying job." Yeah, it's like saying, "Get a promotion at work." Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it, it it just one of the things that always interests me is the um the how much they weigh one job one job's worth against another job's worth. Okay, mm-hmm. so. You might be in a high-paying job that basically is just about making money for other people. Yeah. Okay? But a real job where you're actually looking after the lives of people yeah. is paid much, much less. So it's like it's like how do we qualify what how do we quantify? What, what how do we quantify what people's work is worth when we give the the, the work that should be the least paid the most money. Well, it's like um, AFL footballers. What do this is this is probably right up your alley, um, Clancy. <laughs> what do AFL footballers give to the community? Well, a sweet FA, as far as I can tell. How, how many more times than you are they paid? What's what in terms oh, of annual salary? At least ten. Yes, exactly. But what do you do for the community? I actually look after people's lives and try and get them better and and mm-hmm. save basically treat them and 
same yeah. with their lives. Yeah, that's and that's and that's the crazy thing about it is like it's just so disproportionate to what you do, what you're paid. Yeah, and and but you look, so you on know, this point, just before we move on to this off of this point, the average gross earnings of an AFL player for 2021. Yeah. Yes. Was $372,224. Holy shit. With a total gross pay appointments, according to the AFL itself, of $233,853,380. And 22 cents. That's for tossing a ball around. Kicking a ball and running. Being able to run. Oh, my God. I run and I kick balls every day, but I just don't (laughs) get paid for it. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder whose balls uh, poor Alan. Uh, poor, I wonder how his, his, his balls are. But yes. That pales into insignificance. That pales into insignificance when we start getting onto the English Premier League. So the English Premier League, yes, the All, average yeah. player under the age of 23 every year earns £2.13 million. Pounds. Holy oh, shit. That's ridiculous. And the average player st- aged 23 to 29 earns £3.52 million, pounds, and the average mm-hmm. over 30-year-old player earns £3.17 million. Pounds. Yep, that's... Uh... That's pretty crazy. And uh, speaking of uh, speaking of crazy sports, uh, right now uh, the Australian Formula One Grand Prix is on in my in my hometown yes! Melbourne. Yes, yes, yes. Someone's excited. Someone's not a Formula One nerd at all. Someone's not interested in for, the uh, Formula One. The- went down here when Murray Walker retired. Thank you very much. God bless Murray Walker. Oh, he indeed, was yes. the, he was the king. He was. But yes, I'll, I'll agree all I will say is that watching 20, 20 years to 38, 39-year-old, 40-year-old men who are very athletic, wearing very tight-fitting fire suits, who've got lovely chiseled jaws, mm-hmm. they get very hot and sweaty going. <laughs> <sighs> There's a bit of a sexual, uh, sexual Sorry, frustration. Sorry, am I objectifying men here? Oh, I've yeah. been objectified my entire adult life. Oh, there you go. That's a, you're giving you a little bit back. But yes, the uh, but speaking of events that have been taking place in the world of sport, somebody got himself a state funeral recently, didn't he? Oh, oh. my gosh. Phoebe, Phoebe, not just a state funeral, but a state funeral at the MCG. Not just a state funeral at the MCG, but a state funeral at the MCG hosted by Eddie Maguire. It's just a shame they didn't actually bury him under the MCG. <laughs> Trust th- me, if they could have done, they would have done. I, I they think could, they actually they, made they a, a statue a of... Sorry, sorry, Clarence? They could have buried him under the pitch. And yeah, that's sort of... a, interesting. Um, but I think they actually made a, a statue of him as well, just to, oh. just to top it off. I think, if I remember correctly, I think there was a... Anyway, yes. Uh, what did you want? What did you want to mention about it, Phoebes? So, yeah, I'm all. I'm a one of the biggest sports nerds and the biggest sports nuts as you'll ever find. And before anybody writes in and complains that I'm just salty about that five nil ashes whitewash, I'm not salty about that five nil ashes whitewash at all. But why did it happen in the first place? Why was he given a state funeral? What did he? Because he's what a was cultural... the warranting of it. He's a cultural icon. That was the well. I suppose the reason he had the state funeral is because his family accepted the state funeral. I understand that, but why was it? But here's the thing: somebody had to offer it in the first place. Yes, yeah, I, exactly. I think Uncle Dan. I think Uncle Dan uh, offered. But here's the thing, though. Yeah. If we start offering state funerals to people who are very good in a certain industry, mm-hmm. in this case, the cricketing industry, do we start offering people who are very good in banking? Do we start offering people who are very good in property? Do we start offering, you know, people who are very good in, I don't know, AFL state funerals? Mm, Where do we stop with these state funerals? And why are we spending lavish amounts of taxpayers' money on this event? That's ridiculous. I understand 
that it is all about remembering a man, but it's all the very parasocial relationship that's going on here, which is very unhealthy for a community because how many people actually knew the man that was actually banned from the cricket world club for testing positive for some drugs? How many people actually knew the man that died of a heart attack whilst he was in Thailand a few hours after he'd um, just mentioned that some other guy had died of a heart attack? Age 54 of dying of a heart attack? There's a lot of ways that you can say that, yeah, okay, it's a young age to die of a heart attack. But he was an incredibly wealthy individual. Mm. Yep. And if I would have less of a problem, and please write in if this is the case, his family and his estate footed the bill. Yeah, I'd agree too. Same here, yes. Look, yes I, I, I find it quite interesting too is that so Donald Bradman was offered um, a state funeral. His family's offered a state funeral and they turned it down. Mm-hmm. Well, Sir Don Bradman. Good yes. on their family. Yep. You know, and I, and I, I would argue he was a lot more famous. Yeah. Yep. There are very few people, in my opinion, who warrant a state funeral. Yep. And you have to do something which is so incredible. Well, take, taking the most number that. of wickets in test cricket doesn't count as well, incredible. How wonderful for him in a very niche market, which is what <laughs> it is cricket. It may um, be the yeah. national sport of a population of 35 million. Well, good for that person. But out of a population of, you know, 7.5 billion on this planet, how many people actually watch a game of cricket on a regular basis? How many? I understand that you've got the Indian subcontinent, which goes slightly bonkers for the stuff, but <laughs> slightly. here's the thing. Here's the thing. If it was somebody who had done something so fundamental to the foundations of Australia. So say, for example, they were the father of Australian federalization mm-hmm. and they had died. And they were the reason that Australia was a federal monarchy as it is today. Or say, for example, for they were the was. reason they were a president after Australia eventually, hopefully one day becomes a republic and they were assassinated in office and it was a period of public mourning. I can understand the state funeral in those circumstances. Even, even if it was Craig Kelly? Yeah, I could <laughs> understand. President in Kelly those has a ring to it. Because there is a certain... Gravitas. ...position and gravitas that goes with this. Shane Warne, for better or worse, was a retired cricketer who had a bit of a patchy personal life and a bit of a patchy relationship with getting banned for drugs and a bit of a patchy relationship with accepting some strange money from India and a bit of a patchy relationship when he played for Hampshire County Cricket Club in England and he was given a state funeral. But he had a very good relationship with the plastic surgeon. He had a very good relationship with the man with a laser on his head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I wonder yeah. if this. I wonder if this statue has hair plugs. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, like, likely the Warren family aren't fans of uh, Let's Save the Governor General. <laughs> and the other question is: Are those plugs removable? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I just wonder, I just wonder if there's two women with a with a, a secret camera with a, in, in a in a in a duffel bag just nearby as a uh, yeah. And no, before anyone says it is not Clancy and Phoebe. <laughs> oh, now that definitely not me. Oh no, dear. Uh, yes, oh dear, oh dear. Um, anything else we want to discuss before we uh, <laughs> before we run ourselves out of uh, out of? Uh... I think that we have plugged enough for this episode. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I was gonna. Uh, what I was also going to mention: um, uh, TikTok political advertising is coming under scrutiny. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, ah. particularly the United Workers Union has set up some uh, shadow accounts uh, to promote some very heavy uh, anti Scott Morrison uh, TikToks. And because it's not an official union account, it kind of is a little bit shady there. Uh, Greens councillor Ron Leppert has had private comments contradictory to his own party's stance on transgender things. of exactly what it was, but um, yeah, he's uh, had a leak against him. Well, let's put it this way. As a trans woman... Yes. There is no political party that I feel safe voting for in England... Or Australia. Mm, Thank I, I, you. I, Next. I, would thought, I would have thought the Greens were um, 
no, the most proactive they, in that. They, they may very well be the most proactive, but that's like saying that they're the least worst of the bunch. No party comes out unashamedly in favour of my right to exist and have equality with other parties who... It just does my head in. There is no political party that I can safely say is a safe vote in England or in Australia if you are a trans person because mm. you have idiots like this green councillor who will say all these nice things in public to win your vote and then privately will go and say, here is the uh, pink, white and blue knife and I'm going to stab it in your back. Okay, uh, but not, not the first time that a, a politician has uh, been secretly duplicitous. I will say that much, unfortunately. Um, the Victorian Labor redshirt scandal has gone back to Victoria Police, and the Victoria Police have got nothing to see here. There is no new evidence to warrant a further investigation, uh, despite uh, an elected member of Parliament, Adam Somurek, actually coming out and saying, guys, this is, this is really what's happened, so a little bit disappointing there. Uh, what else it's did sakes. I have? Yes, there's a bit of a... Uh, there's, I there's mean, bit... seriously, I mean, this scandal... Won't go away. It feels like there is somebody in the police that is pushing this away because they don't want to deal with it before the 21st of May. Indeed. Well, look, given that Victoria Police have been involved in some dodgy shit in the last last decade, uh, the, uh, the lawyer X scandal, um, there's been a few uh, there's been a few things that have rocked uh, public confidence in Victoria Police. So yeah, um, yeah, a little bit scary there. But anyway, um, there's also been another IBAC probe into the into the Victorian government firefighters deal with the United Firefighters Union. And that's a bit of a thing that won't go away as well. Uh, there's been calls for p- truth in political advertising laws, which is... A, truth in political yeah. advertising laws? There'll be no political adverts. <laughs> I, 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 we're just about say, to say the same thing. There just won't be any political advertising. simply say, this is the candidate. <laughs> this is their name. And that's it. <laughs> that's a, you will find them here on the ballot paper. Please put a one I, I, th- I think the it. world would be a better place if that was uh, if that was the case. I agree. Truth in political advertising. What next? What next? Transparency in political donations. Oh heavens, yeah. no! That can't. No, that's that. That's that's mm. below the belt. Again, for the second time again, this morning. Again, again. Oh dear. Oh yeah. dear. Well, look, we better. We, we better. Uh, we better have some truth a, in our political podcasting. Indeed, we better. We better toddle off for a nap before we uh, say something even oh, more inappropriate. Dear, oh dear. But, on behalf, <laughs> but I've been Damien. This has been. Let's say the Governor General uh, with, with Phoebe, Phoebe Rose. and the other lovely, and very lovely Clancy. 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 In history's page, let every stage advance us to rest.